Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You ready? It's time to start. This should be played at high volume. This is the Andrea Shaking Show. And I'm just a gal like any other gal. That's cool. You know what this is. What is this? The Andrea Shaking Show. It's me, don't you remember? We were just talking about you. Totally amazing. Thank you. The Andrea Shaking Show. I think you've got something there. Andrea Shaking. You're really going to like it. Quite understandable. Is on the air. Something's definitely going on here. Take my word for it. Now. Come on. It's showtime. Make it so. Ready, go. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the program on this Wednesday night, January 31st, the night of the blue moon, (laughs) the blood moon, really, actually, huh? Did you see it come up tonight? Oh, it was beautiful here. Absolutely beautiful. Clear sky and just, I wasn't, I wasn't standing on the beach, so I didn't see it come up over the, uh, the Atlantic, but I'm sure that it made quite a sight. Anyway, here we are, uh, and uh, we're going to be talking with Elizabeth Christ of Congress College, as she likes to be described. Uh, She's a retired U.S. Senate Secretary for the Majority. She's going to join us this evening. We've got a whole bunch of things that we're going to be talking about with her. Uh, Let's see. Here's my laundry list. Uh, Trey Gowdy deciding that he announcing that he's going to be leaving. He's not going to be uh, sticking around to run for reelection for Congress. And a lot of speculation is accompanying that. Some people are saying, you know, it's time for him to go. He's compromised. And oh, no, don't go, Trey. Don't go. We love you. So it runs the gamut. Um, we've got uh, nine uh, GOP committee chairs that have announced that they are leaving. They're not. Uh, they're not going to run for re-election. Thirty-four congressional members, many of them, if not all of them, are GOP. Kind of interesting. I think that what's happening here is that they know it's a it's a it's a new day, and it's going to get nastier, nastier. We're also going to be talking about the midterms, as long as we're talking about people who are dropping out uh, midterms. And um, Elizabeth has some information on the possibility of some Democrats switching from Democrat to Republican, crossing the aisle. Uh, We're also going to be talking about some uh, last night's uh, uh, State of the Union address, of course, and the Democrats' response to it. If you've been listening to talk radio today, or even if you've been listening to Fox you probably know that uh, the, the, it was that people were talking all about these the Democrats last night. How the Black Congressional Caucus just sat there and they looked miserable. And what was what was it that Nancy Pelosi was doing with her mouth? My sister and I were talking today, and she said that a friend of hers told her that people who are on antidepressants tend to do that with their mouth. <laughs> I've never heard of that, but maybe you have. Um, to me, I just think that she looks like she's on medication. And I suspect that it's probably Namenda, which is medication for Alzheimer's. Just a guess. I I don't know. I mean, I'm just guessing. But she's awfully strange. Awfully strange. And uh, I I don't know. Anyway, I don't know. We'll we'll talk about that. Also, um the um polling accuracy. The polls that they're throwing out there right now. 
that that President Trump has a 38% approval rating, yada, yada, yada. Um, Let me tell you something. President Trump knows exactly what he's doing, and the polls that they're not telling you about are the polls that we'll talk about tonight with Elizabeth. Okay. Also, upcoming budget issues, what's going to happen uh, at the end of uh, February? Was it, is it the end of February? I don't even remember what the date is for the, um, the expiration. Of, I think it's February 8th, isn't it? I think it's coming right up. So what's going to happen? The Democrats are implacable. They don't want to do anything. And I was watching, oh, I was so glad to see Buck Sexton on with the uh, special report uh, all-star panel. I think he is one of the sharpest guys out there, and I used to love watching him on Glenn Beck's television show, um, Real News. Remember they had Real News? And he was he was a regular, and he was just so informative. He was so informed. Um, former CIA, I think, analyst, and uh, just just has it. He's he's all coached up. He's got it. So anyway, he was on tonight, and, and he was you know they were talking about what are the what are the Democrats going to do? I mean, they can't sit there on their hands for the for the next year. We saw the accomplishments that uh, Trump has made in his first year of the administration, and we know that it's going to continue. It's going to continue. He's got the momentum. He's got the wind at his back now. And what are they going to do to stop him? The only thing that they have at this point in time is this memo, this whole Comey, uh, McCabe, Mueller situation. And I think that we're, we're, we're watching this blow up in their faces. So we're going to talk about that. Um, also, let's see. Oh, horrible thing today happening with that uh, train situation. You know, uh, we had members of the um, House on that train with their families and their staff, and they were traveling to Greenbrier, I think it's Virginia? Is it Virginia or Maryland? I think it's Virginia, um, for a retreat, a two-day retreat, which uh, um, Elizabeth had mentioned last week that they were going, that this was on their calendar. And they were on their way today. The train uh, was hit by a, a um, they say it's a dump truck, but it looked to me like an 18-wheeler that was hauling uh, refuse driver was killed horrible horrible accident i'm sure it was awful to see but some people um i was reading on twitter are asking was this a false flag attack because you know q last week was warning about ff false flag that if this thing with the memo gets a little wiggy and they get real desperate they might pull something to distract america i don't know who knows Okay, so we're going to talk about all of that with her. Now, let me say hi to the folks who are joining us tonight. We've got uh, Bring It, boy. Hi, <laughs> Bring It. We've got Flycatch. We've got several guests in the chat room. We've also got Golf Dogs, John Pizzuto, Lugnut, and Robert Anthony. Nice to see you in there. We also have listening to us on the phone is uh, area code 260-570-931. Four zero one and five one eight. Welcome one, welcome all. You can join them on the telephone. Listen into the show on the telephone line by calling into six four six four seven eight four six zero four. Yeah, okay. And I want to say thank you to everybody who wished me a happy birthday today. Yes, it's my birthday. And I got a lot of wonderful greetings over on Facebook. You know what's amazing to me? Truly is amazing. You 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 just. You know, it's like when you drop a pebble or a rock into a pond 
and it ripples and it ripples outward and outward and outward. And and finally, it just ripples out so far that it, it hits the shore or whatever. But you, it's like that. You never know who you're touching. You just never know who you're touching. And I, I got so many well wishes today from people that I don't know. I mean, I don't know them. They're, they're maybe maybe they're on my friend list. I don't know. I've got over a thousand people on my friend list. I don't know. But it was so nice because a lot of these people were saying, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for all your posts. Thank you for letting us know what's going on. And it was like, oh, my gosh, you like me. You really like me. <laughs> no, it wasn't that at all. It was just I was I was reminded again of how of what a, what a, a big responsibility it is to make sure that what I'm posting and what I'm talking about is true. And that if it isn't true, then I come back to you afterwards and say, oops, I goofed. I goof, not true. So anyway, thank you all, everybody, for your birthday wishes. I really appreciate it. One year older. Yep, one year older. Getting better. <laughs> well, we're not getting any younger, right? No, I know. Gosh, time goes by fast. Also, I wanted to tell you that um, I was listening to Lionel Nation today. Lionel Nation is out of New York, and I guess, I don't know, he's a, he's a lawyer by profession and um, talk show host. And he's he's a guest, frequent guest on a lot of different talk shows, and he's got this really weird voice, and and he's he's kind of funny. Um, sometimes I I can take him better than other times. He he kind of goes off on tangents, kind of like I do. But um, today he really did an excellent excellent podcast. It's twenty eight minutes long, and in it he talks about the media and people's feelings about politics and their feelings about their party and how they seek out that media which feeds them their already preconceived feelings. And it was, I mean, he took apart last night's State of the Union address and he, and he, I thought he did a great job. He was very fair about it. It's well worth your time to listen to it after the show or maybe sometime whenever you have time. Pop it in, plug it in, click it on, and listen. I've put the link in the chat room. As a matter of fact, I'm going to put the link in again um, because I know that there, you know, that your the chat window rolls fast when people are uh, uh, chatting a lot, so it goes off the screen. So let me go ahead and drop it in again. And for those of you who are listening on the phone, I will just tell you: uh, go to YouTube and type in Lionel Nation. And go to the um, video that is labeled hashtag Trump's hashtag so too was magnificent. Deep State Pelosi and her band of cretins are ideologically AWOL. Okay? Trump's so too was magnificent. He did it today. He published it today. I'm not sure what time it went up. I have no idea because they don't put the time down. But uh, I, I listened to it twice twice and i and i i i posted a a comment on it i I, and i said to him well done the best assessment of last night so too 28 minutes of reality humorously delivered by lionel nation so if you get a chance very it's it's worth your time okay let me uh let me move that tab out of the way and uh also some of the things that folks were talking about on um 
social media had to do with um, let me let me get to it here. Um, FBI, yeah, the FBI opposing the memo release due to quote inaccurate information. I don't know if you saw this or not. This was uh, Tyler Durden, oh, and it's a pseudonym. Um, in what CNN described as a rare uh, public warning, the FBI released a statement today saying it has grave concerns over the accuracy of the House Intel Committee's memo describing purportedly egregious FISA abuses. Now, what my understanding is that um, not only Rod Rosenstein, but Christopher Wray, the director of the FBI, have both gone to the White House and said they oppose the release of this classified memo. Now, I'm, get, I'm a little confused here. The FBI put out a statement about it. And who authorized this statement? Did this statement come from Christopher Wray? I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, just before President Trump headed to the Capitol last night for the State of the Union, uh, the Washington Post was reporting that top Justice Department officials had made a last-ditch plea uh, on Monday this, is, this would have been uh, the night before last, to White House Chief of Staff John Kelly about the dangers of publicly releasing the memo. Shortly before the House Intelligence Committee voted to make the document public, uh, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein warned Kelly, this is John Kelly, the Chief of Staff, White House, that the four-page memo prepared by the House Republicans could jeopardize classified information and implored the President to reconsider his support for making it public. Really? Last night, President Trump promised a lawmaker, as he was walking out of the House chamber, that the memo would be 100% released now that the House Intel Committee has uh, voted to approve its release. I'm a little confused about this. Can anybody shed some light on this? Anybody? Bueller? Bueller? (laughs) Yeah, why so scared? I don't know. I don't know. It's, uh, It's a bit of a mystery. A bit. Adam Schiff is saying, Adam Schiff, Adam Schiff. Oh, he is. This is a guy who looks like he's perpetually scared. Either that or having a suppository inserted somewhere. Ooh, ooh, those big eyes. Ooh. Anyway, he's saying that the FISA memo could lead to firings of Mueller and Rosenstein. Well, as as Farmer Jones, another video I watch, the guy with the deep, deep voice, like the John B. Wells voice, as he would say, well, now, well, now. Uh, anyway, again, Tyler Durden, this was published today. Stocks are red. Trey Gowdy is abruptly retiring from Congress. Everybody's laughing at what looks like drool dribbling from the edge of Joe Kennedy's mouth during his rebuttal to last night's State of the Union. And along comes Reuters, dropping a bombshell headline that, if accurate, could shift the narrative of the multiple investigations involving Russia and obstruction of justice. Reuters quoted Adam Schiff, the top Democrat on the House Intel Committee, who believes the contents of the four-page memo about allegedly egregious FBI abuses of FISA set for public release in the next several days could lead to the firing of special counsel Bob Mueller or more likely Deputy AG Rod Rosenstein. (laughs) Now, the question is whether this is a statement of fact 
In other words, the FISA memo contains cause for termination or a smokescreen to claim that Mueller's firing is only made possible by the political act that is the imminent release of the FISA memo. Also heard today that Andrew McCabe has been put on house arrest. Don't have any proof. It's out there on social media. Somebody tweeted it. Somebody on one of those tweet uh, sites that usually has pretty good information. But they didn't link it. They didn't back it up. They just dropped it in there. And I don't know how valid this is. We'll find out sooner or later, right? Yeah, we'll we'll know. We'll find out. As of eventually, we'll know. So, um, okay, so there's that. Let's see. What else? What else? Oh, I found this um, thread over at Draw and Strike. This is, by the way, this is a good tweet, Twitter, uh, Twitter guy to follow. Uh, he goes by the name of Stealth Jeff as in Jeff Sessions, Stealth Jeff, at Draw and Strike. Draw and Strike, okay? So it's Stealth Jeff. You can find him by going to Twitter and typing in uh, in the search bar, Stealth Jeff, two words, or Draw and Strike, which is all one word, okay? So let me tell you some of the people that I'm following on Twitter. Um, This guy, okay? Another guy... Uh, he calls himself uh, Trump, I think it's Trump Defender. It's Dave N.Y. the 8th, V-I-I-I. Dave N.Y. V-I-I-I. See, when you come to this show, you need to come with paper and pencil because you never know what I'm going to be throwing out at you, right? <laughs> right, okay. So Dave N.Y. V-I-I-I. The the other one that's pretty good is Imperator Rex, and you've heard me talk about him before. Imperator, I-M-P-E-R-A-T-O-R, underscore Rex, and that would be R-E-X, and the number three. Imperator underscore Rex three. Um, Draw and Strike is the other one I just mentioned. Um, Let's see. um, Praying Medic. Praying Medic, P-R-A-Y-I-N-G, M-E-D-I-C, Praying Medic. Uh, Tracy Beans, T-R-A-C-Y, B-E-A-N-Z. She's pretty good. I always follow Thomas 1774 Payne. He's excellent, excellent. So those are some of the names that uh, you might want to pay attention to when next time you're out there uh, swimming, um, swimming through the morass of Twitter. Yeah. All right. We've got uh, Congress College's Elizabeth Christ, who's a retired U.S. Senate Secretary for the Majority, joining us this evening. And we've got a lot to talk. The State of the Union Address, uh, Democrats who might be switching over to the Republican Party. We're going to talk about the midterms. We're going to talk about uh, the memo and the train accident today and, and why the GOP members of the House were on their way to this retreat, all of that. So without any further ado, let me uh, bring Elizabeth on live with us. Hi, Elizabeth. Hey, Andrea. And I want to say live on your show, if you don't mind. Happy birthday, sweet friend. Oh, I don't know if you told you. people today is our birthday. <laughs> yep, one year older and deeper in debt. Yep. Is that how the song goes? <laughs> There yeah, you go. Happy you. birthday. Thank I you. hope it was a good one. It was great. I ate ice cream all day. <laughs> there you go. Okay, that's worth it. Well, some people drink. You know, some people celebrate with booze. I celebrate with vanilla ice cream. <laughs> that's okay. Oh, the good old-fashioned yeah. American apple pie and ice cream. Well, yeah. happy birthday. 
thank you. Thank you very much. So I know you watched the State of the Union address. Let's start with that. What did you think? What were your, I mean, what were your impressions of it? And overall, do you think he scored a hit? I think he scored an absolute home run. Uh, best line of it, in my view, was Americans are dreamers, too. And what mm. I believe he's done with the speech and what he was trying to do and and making his way by doing all, really, this whole year, and, of course, we're obviously just in the last day of January, but really all of January since the passing of the um, tax bill is to to get back to or not get back to, but – uh, sort of italicize or make even more important highlight that we're Americans and the American um, patriotism and all of that. And he did that last night on steroids. And it made mm-hmm. the Democrats look awkward because they couldn't stand for it for statements like we love our flag and we're all Americans. And I'm Mm-hmm. Uh, America is making America great again. Our citizens are. Those kind of statements over and over and over again. And and really, the Democrats struggled to applaud that. They struggled to stand up for that. So I think if the average American that's sort of sitting on the on the fence a little bit politically would look and go, what's wrong? Why are they such sourpusses? What's mm-hmm. up with that? Mm-hmm. I think he's making that point over and over again. And you know, let's not forget that when he went into the immigration issue, when he went into the infrastructure issue, he named things they've all been asking for. I mean, <laughs> they, they've been asking for these provisions. He said, let's work together and do it. And no, they sat on their hands. They, they frowned. They sat on their yep. hands. They looked yep. around. They picked at their fingernails. They did everything but clap or yep. even act like they were halfway interested. It was... Uh, it was it was pretty surprising, and I say that coming from a place where I've been in many leadership meetings where there were leaders in the Republican Party that didn't want to necessarily stand up and jump up and down for a Democratic president. But we were all – I'll just say it this way. We were all taught. You go, you clap, you applaud. If you, if you agree with the line, basically, mm-hmm. um, and you show respect for the office. I mean, they mm. barely, barely showed respect. I guess mm-hmm. being in the room was their best they could do as far as showing respect for the office. But that's uh, that was a pretty low bar, if you ask me. Did you see? Uh, and they, they, somebody grabbed a clip of it and was running it on social media. The uh, the part where uh, Joe Manchin, the camera was de- was lo- looking down. You were looking down at Joe Manchin, and at at some point, uh, the president said something that that elicited an applause. It was an applause line, and and it, and the Republicans stood, gave him a standing ovation, and Joe Manchin went to stand up. And then he looked to his left, and he looked to his right, and realized he would have been the only one standing, so he sat back in his seat. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. I did, but you, I don't know if you noticed uh, a little further along in the speech, he decided he'd better start standing. So he stood notwithstanding what his colleagues were doing. He did. Oh, he, he stood did. a couple of – he did. It was a little ah. later on, but yep. he did. And, you know, we we talked a little bit last week, and I know you and I have been on email talking about how he's gotten a little bit of his um, nerve to to put together this coalition. I know we talked about this last week. The, uh, yes, we did. Coalition. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he has figured out, finally, I say, and I say it that way because, geez, what took him so long? It's 
doesn't take much with this many tiny, tiny, tiny majority that the Republicans have to realize you, you, you give three or four votes to the Republicans and you can be a rock star. You can be mm-hmm. like wow factor to the leader. I mean, it's just that simple. It's, it's the numbers game. But mm-hmm. nonetheless, he's figured it out, and this common sense coalition, I think, has empowered him a little bit. Um, I, I think last night, I think that's showing to him, I can't continue to walk this plank. I represent mm. the state of West Virginia. The Democratic Party has raped and pillaged and all but bankrupt my major industry, which is coal. I'm hanging yeah. on by my fingernails. And you want me to keep poking these guys in the eye over and over and over and over and over again? I can't do that. I can't yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I can see him getting more and more bold. I can see him mm-hmm. with more and more initiatives. I see him being a real power broker when it comes to immigration. I see him being a real power broker when it comes really? to the infrastructure bill. Absolutely. Huh. West Virginia has some issues. And for those of you that have been to West Virginia and driven on their highways, they're beautiful. The whole state is beautiful. Uh, half of the state's named after Harry, uh, uh, Robert C. Byrd, Robert C. Byrd Highway, the Robert C. Byrd Turnpike, the Robert C. Byrd Bridge. Mm-hmm. I said that a little tongue-in-cheek, but the point is they have spent, thanks to Senator Robert C. Byrd having been the Senate Majority Leader, having been the Senate Minority Leader, having been the Chairman of the Appropriations Committee – and having been the president pro tem, it's a long way of saying he'd been there a long time. I think he got to the Senate in 1959 and died mm-hmm. six years ago. Mm-hmm. So he'd mm-hmm. been there a long time. By the time he had left, half of the state was either named after him or he was responsible for bringing a lot to the state. That's what they expect of their senator. Mm-hmm. I mean, the bar has the... just been set very, very high for Joe Manchin, and he he took Senator Byrd's place when he when he passed away. He was by the way, by the way, I just want to remind everybody that that Robert Byrd was one of Hillary Clinton's mentors, and he was also the Grand Klugel of the KKK. So this guy, Mm -hmm. for whatever whatever the the mores and values were of the day that they accepted Robert Byrd in in the Congress on Capitol Hill, he he came with his own sheets in his closet, and and Hillary Mm -hmm. Clinton and him. So I, so this casts some aspersions to me on Robert Byrd. But nevertheless, it's obvious that he did a lot for his state, that they were naming. And that's the bar. That's the reference I'm trying to reference. That's mm-hmm. the bar mm-hmm. a West Virginian is expect, expecting. If you're a mountaineer from West Virginia, you are expecting that same bar because that your senator brought that over and over and over again. Let's not forget who the other senator from West Virginia was for a bunches of years. Uh, Jay Rockefeller of the Rockefellers. So they've hmm. had some star status. They've had some star status representing them in the Senate. Joe hmm. Manchin was their governor, pretty young guy, um, and he's had big shoes to fill, and Chuck Schumer's not letting him try to fill any of them. All Chuck hmm. Schumer's allowing him to do is say no. Well, uh, Robert C. Byrd and, and Senator Rockefeller didn't say no. They said yes, and they brought stuff home. So he needs to do that. And I think to last night, him standing up after he figured out, well, if nobody else is going to stand up, I better sure start. So he did. He started um, a few times. But maybe he was by himself. They didn't pan the whole Democratic Party, but for the most part, he looked like he was mm-hmm. by himself, at least in the section where he was sitting, which was yeah. mostly Democrats. He was by himself. That, that I do know. 
Yeah. Uh, I think he's going to be a real power broker for for a few Democrats when it comes to the infrastructure bill. Another one that that is in his camp like that is Joe Donnelly of uh, of Indiana. Heidi Highcamp. I mean, I can name six or eight that he's carrying around now with him. So this will be interesting to see how this plays out because going back to the State of the Union, the president basically said, hey, guys, I'll give you what you need for DACA. Yeah. I'll give you, you know, the ending of chain migration, let's not mm-hmm. forget. We can remember back in the day, four or five years ago, we railed against the Rubio Gang of Eight bill because it had so many things in it. It ended chain migration. It passed the Senate with Democrat support. So they used to like the provision. Mm-hmm. They used to like to mm-hmm. end the, the provision that ended the lottery. But they've so adopted all the immigration stances as far as being yeah. protective of illegal immigrants, they've turned themselves on their own heads. Yeah. So yeah. I applaud the president. He stands up and says, you know what, I'll give that to you. I'll yeah. give that to you. Let's work together. Let's do this for America. Let's straighten yeah. out our immigration system and get back on track. And they sit on their hands. It was yeah. it was a little astounding. Well, it, it is, it is, but it isn't when you consider that what he's done is he's taken away their issue from them. They don't have an issue now. No, I, I get that. Correct. Exactly. But they also don't have anything to be for. And we've learned this mm. in the last six, eight years. It's really, really tough to win elections if you're if you're always against something and you're not for anything. We were against Barack Obama. We were against every policy that just about he put out. We were against the direction that he was taking America. We were for the traditional American system. We weren't just against something. We had something to be for. We were mm-hmm. we had something that we applauded in addition to being against something. We wanted government mm-hmm. out of our way. So it's very difficult to run an election and being just against everything. It just is very, very hard. It's negative, first of all. It's mm-hmm. distasteful after a while because you don't feel good coming out of a rally you just feel mad and disgruntled and because all mm-hmm. you're talking about is being mad and angry and against mm-hmm. things yeah we yeah we much more enjoy i'm talking about just the humans in general we much more enjoy being at a pep rally being for something let's try to win one for the gipper kind of thing sure we, sure we will leave happy floating on air you know eager to go win one it's yep. a lot harder to keep people up and they typically Andrea, they don't go to the polls in the same numbers if they're just against something. Yep. They need something yep. to be for also. They need mm-hmm. something to support. And Joe Manson's not a dumb man. He's smart. Now, the the one that's really got himself in, in a box is Senator Schumer, the minority leader. He He's got himself yeah. in, a, in a box I don't know how he gets out of, and, and our president has put him there in a beautiful way. It's it's sort of amazing. <laughs> he, he did not look happy in. last night. <laughs> oh, good God, no, he sure didn't. And you know who looked almost as unhappy as him was Nancy Pelosi. She oh, looked sour. Oh. I mean, literally what was, sour. What was she doing with her mouth? What was that thing with her mouth? I mean, and I, I noticed she does yeah. it all the time. I don't know. I, you know, I don't know. I'm going to say something really catty. Are her dentures bothering her? I don't know. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, I mean, yeah, it looks like, like it. it's like something. Yeah. yeah, something's amiss in her mouth. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah, they and you know that's the Democrats' answer to their leadership. Nancy oh, Pelosi boy. from the West Coast and and Chuck Schumer from the East Coast. You got New York and mm-hmm. California. Well, you know what? The majority of us don't live in New York and California. Mm-mm. We live in between Mm-mm. those two, and we mm-hmm. they don't represent us well. So, you know, the Democratic Party's got a million problems. They've got so many problems. It's just, that's, that's just the start of them. But that's a big part of them because they pull the party in those two directions. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. Just, that's where they pull them. They pull them with the, in those liberal directions, the East Coast New York direction and the West Coast liberal du- direction yeah. because the money flows from there. Yeah. Yeah. Both of those men and women are popular. They keep their leadership posts. They're able to whip their members in line because they can throw the money around. Do you think that that's going to have as much impact this cycle with Nancy Pelosi and Schumer in uh, terms of retaining the leadership positions? A newer, a newer member of Congress is not going to believe that money is all that in a bag of chips like some of the older guys do. The newer mm-hmm. ones are realizing I can do a lot on free internet. I can do a lot with Google ads. I can do mm-hmm. a lot with boosting my Facebook page. I, I, I'm being a little too simplistic, but I'm trying to make the point. You can't win yeah. a, a, a statewide election that way. But you can spend a lot less money if you really massage all of those well. We know that. Donald mm-hmm. Trump did that. Mm-hmm. Yep. He didn't set yep. up these huge, huge big firms in the big States like Florida and California and Texas and hire the the big gun law firms that are you know five hundred dollars a minute mm-hmm. and do all of that. He did. He hired some of those, but he didn't do the big stuff that <clears throat> the big the big campaigns have traditionally done from mm-hmm. from Hillary Clinton to Barack Obama. Hire everybody yeah. that's hireable in the states and 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 uh, rent all the storefronts in the major cities and fill them with people, burn the midnight oil, and he didn't do that, and it, look what it got him. got him president of the United States. So he's sort of rewriting campaigning. Um, mm-hmm. So Nancy Pelosi and, and Chuck Schumer are going to slowly not going to have the same effect that they would if the system were the old system. Now I don't know mm-hmm. if a lot. Of, I don't know if a lot of these members of Congress know how to run in that type of system. You do run differently. You run with taglines. You run with uh, more Hashtag. social media advertising. Hashtags. Yeah. Yep. That's Hashtags. Yep, yep, yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Just to give you an example, just to just to uh, uh, illustrate what you're saying, I was on my iPhone today and I was uh, starting to watch a video. No. Uh, it was it was a, a Drudge Report, and I was I, I clicked on a story to read, and what came up before the story was an ad, and the ad was against Ron DeSantis, who is running, who has announced this past week that he's going to run for Florida governorship, and the ad is already there. It's it's already been done. They are picturing him as a member of the Washington Swamp, that he voted to cut Medicare for Florida's senior citizens and blah, blah, blah. It's already happening, and it's happening on social media. Exactly. I didn't, and if I, I, didn't, be... I was going to say, I didn't even have to go and look for it. It popped up on my screen. So, yeah, social media is, I mean, it's very, very powerful. And, you know, earlier today I was telling the listeners before you joined us, I was listening to Lionel Nation, 
who is a um, an attorney by profession and a uh, radio show host. Um, I don't know if he does terrestrial radio anymore or what, but he does a podcast every day at noon, just right right at the same time that Rush is coming on. But the beauty of a podcast is, of course, you can listen to it whenever you want. And he was making the point today that um, the whole industry, the whole way we get our information is rapidly changing and that he was talking about using using the state of the union address last night as an example the people who love trump they go to fox news because fox news is having orgasms over the state of the union address he knocked it out of the park he was wonderful he was blah 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 blah. and the people Mm -hmm. that hate trump they go to cnn or msnbc because that's where they go to get their feelings validated their feelings assuaged just like the folks who love trump go to fox okay so he says mm-hmm. but but those are people who are paying attention and are very involved in politics they 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 like to know what's going on but you look at america and it's a bell curve and he says, and in that bell, the bulge of the bell, he said, that's the rest of America. And they're busy. They don't know. They don't care. They're low information. They, just, they catch it when they catch it, and that's, that's, that's it. He said, but what's happening is what Trump did last night, the way he positioned the policy issues, he said, those people that aren't paying that much attention, those are the ones you want to go after. And, of course, you've said that yourself. But what they did last night was they said, huh. Huh. That, mm-hmm. And he said, that's, that's, that's what you want. you want. You want them to be lifting up their heads and going, huh, wow. paying attention that was now. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I heard that. Because, that was kind because of cool. Huh. It, it really is. And, and now you've got, and that was one of the points that he was making. And the other point that he was making also was that social media run an election on social media. And that Fox the narrow casting of Fox's programming and CNN's programming and all of the commercials that they have to put in and they've got to get all these guests on and makeup and lights and all of this stuff. He says, I'm sitting here with a computer at my kitchen table. He said, I don't need Mm -hmm. anything. He said, a telephone, that's it. That's all I need. He said, it is changing. We have different platforms now. And I'm wondering how this is going to impact this cycle. We saw how it impacted the presidential cycle. This cycle coming up and subsequent cycles in the future, how it's going to be the Internet-savvy politicians who I think are going to uh, be more successful and or the Internet po- the politicians who hire Internet people who understand how to make this happen. The Dan Scavinos, like who Trump mm-hmm. has doing all his social media. Well, uh, let's remember who rose to fame as a brand-new freshman senator and came close to being a Republican nominee for the president last time around. That's Ted Cruz, and he did it through social media. He did it through likes on his Facebook page. He mm-hmm. did it. That's how we learned about him. Otherwise, he was just a freshman senator from Texas. There wasn't anything super, super special about him initially. Mm. Um, I, I mm-hmm. firmly believe that. Uh, his Actually, some of his old team have put together a, a what's becoming a up-and-coming huge digital campaign media team called Axiom, and they've just bought another media team called oh, the Partners Group or something like that. I'm not sure which. Um, mm-hmm. Together, they have, they have elected 
something like 70 to 80 House members and senators just in the last four years by social media, by clicks, wow. by likes. By, yep. It is, wow. It, they it's work happening. for Mike Pence as governor. Hmm. So hmm. The, it, the White House knows this. The White House has figured mm-hmm. it out. There's a lot mm-hmm. of members of Congress that haven't. And that, that brings us back to where we started out. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer's um, street cred with other members of their party is going to lose a little bit of its power because money, while it, it's all powerful, it does a lot in politics, it doesn't make or break you anymore. Mm-mm. It just and Trump proved that. Trump proved that. Right. He spent, what, a third of what of what uh, um, uh, the others did, spent. especially yep. Hillary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh. So we'll watch. We'll watch. You know, he again. They they still wield their power because the the Washington power brokers believe that money is everything, and so mm-hmm. many of the of the members of Congress hire the Washington power brokers as their campaign people. But if mm-hmm. they would seriously start looking at some of these computer whiz kids, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I, I, obviously, mm-hmm. obviously, it's working. Well, I got to tell you a little a- anecdotal uh, to illustrate again, underscore what you're saying. My son called me earlier to wish me happy birthday, and and he's into poli. He likes politics too. <laughs> it must be hereditary. And he he said to me that he's been. He said, "Oh, ma," he said, "You've got to start listening to Dan Bongino." And I started laughing. I said, well, I've, I have been. And I said, I didn't know you were listening to him. He goes, oh, he's great. He's great. I listen to his podcast. He explains everything. I mean, he he's getting his information on, mm-hmm. while he's on the job. He's, he's got the type of job where he can plug in and listen. And that's what he's doing. He's getting his information on podcast. He listens mm-hmm. to Mark Levin, too. But he loves Bongino. I mean, he's just all over it. And Bongino's numbers are skyrocketing because he's on right now with, on, with Hannity. He gets a lot of exposure. So that, that doesn't hurt him. But he's credible. He's knowledgeable. He's got inside information, insider uh, uh, people telling him what's going on. And so he's, he's giving out valuable information in a way that people, even like my son said, it's great for beginners who don't know what's happening because he explains it in a way that you do. And if you don't right. get it when you listen to it the first go around, you just hit replay and listen to it again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yep. it's social media. Yep. Yeah. Right, right. And then there, you're right. There needs to be all levels of that. You and I have talked about sort of the three or four talk show guys that are it's slightly different now than when we were talking about them and how one of them specifically was sort of in that lane of he takes care of the newbies the new the yeah. new people that are trying to learn he doesn't talk over their head he doesn't disparage right. them if they don't know something or right or, right know, sort of make them feel stupid if they happen to call in his show mm-hmm. is for the newbies then we then mm-hmm. we sort of could buttonhole the one we thought was for the the middle of the road learners that have caught right. on, but they don't know all the nuances. And of course, we put Rush as the one that, if you're a real political hack, you listen to him. You want to know, he, yeah. and he knows all yeah. the inside. So I, I think that's true, and I, mm-hmm. I think that feeds mm-hmm. our hunger for it. It provides us with an array of people who can provide us with information that we are hungry for. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, each, everybody has their own, you know, choice. Uh, But anyway, 
I want to kind of slide off of that and move on to Trey Gowdy announcing today yeah. that he's not going to run again. He's getting out. Were you disappointed to hear that? Yeah, that'll be a loss. That will be a loss. But, you know, it'll be a game for South Carolina. Who knows? We may see him, see him federally. He may be mm-hmm. getting himself geared up to take over for Jeff Sessions if he leaves in a year or so. Or he may run for governor. He said he misses the courtroom. And yeah. he, he's a pretty good litigator. I mean, we've seen him. He is pretty mm-hmm. good. He's been chairman of, of a couple of the big committees that have had, of course, the Benghazi committee he was chairman of. He's been chairman of oversight. We've seen him throw some zingers out, and he really knows how to put a witness through the through the ringer. And he said he mm-hmm. really misses the law. I could, mm-hmm. see him doing, I could see him doing the attorney general role in South Carolina. I could see him being our national attorney general. I could see him being governor. Um, I don't know what he's going to end up doing. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. he made it sound like he's going to go open up a, a, a small law a law practice in South Carolina. I think he's going to want to go a little bigger than that. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think, think he he's going to be wanting writing wills and and. Divorce no, model. I mean, you know that kind of thing. No. But, uh, well, but, he was he, yeah. he was he was one of the top federal prosecutors. Uh, right. He's yeah. I I see him wanting to stay closer to home, and if he does get back into politics, it'll be on a state somewhere somewhere in the state. I don't. I mm-hmm. I I kind of have a funny feeling that he's not going to want to go back to Washington, even if it mm-hmm. is AG. I, I don't know. I, I think he's just fed up with it, fed up with it. And I'll tell you something else, too. The people that I'm watching, that I'm reading, who are on the inside, the Thomas Paines, et cetera, have been scratching their head over his over Trey Gowdy's seeming flip-flops for the past six months. They, he, it, it, in fact, Thomas Paine said just yesterday, I wish he would make up his mind. He's He's no longer a member of the uh, FBI uh, judicial system law enforcement community. He's not in that club anymore, but he keeps trying to defend it. He's a member of Congress. He's wearing a different mm-hmm. hat. And so he needs to he needs to make a choice one way or the other. And the expression that they used was, you know, blank or get off the pot. Well, evidently, uh, their instincts, their intuition was right because this very day, Trey Gowdy announces he's not running anymore. He wants to get back into law, the the um, what did he say the the courtroom? Ju- the, I think he said he loved yeah, the courtroom, courtroom more than yeah. The, yeah. yeah. That tells I think me that, though that's even more of a tip to me that he may want to be the AG because the AG has to those those agencies are under the attorney general. The attorney general has to be the cheerleader for them. He can clean house a little bit, but he has to be the cheerleader. He has to believe in them. Mm-hmm. Deeply, and trade out. Trade out. He does. Yeah. So I guess obviously we'll. Play. Yeah. 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 So anyway, maybe that's just a, a step that he's taking to um, kind of cleanse the palate before something like that comes down the down the pike. Maybe he knows something right. that we don't. But in the meantime, you know, and if you if you come to Congress with a mm-hmm. real passion for an issue or a couple of issues or a venue. Uh, mm-hmm. And you get there and you find the frustration of, geez, you can't hardly get anything done. And you can't work Mm -hmm. across the aisle. You just can't get hardly anything done. If you're a doer, it's very frustrating. And I think you and I talked offline how many members of Congress have left Congress and gone to be a governor. 
And yeah. some would say that's a lateral move. I see it as not a lateral move, but I, I see it as almost a step, a slight step backwards. Um, I was talking to Governor Brownback uh, a couple of weeks ago. He was at the Dole thing. Mm-hmm. And he said that being governor of Kansas is the toughest job he has ever had. Really? Um, yep, yep, because it's it's a mini version of being president. Think about it. You're the governor of the state. You've got to work with your state house, your state senate. I think we have all but two states in our nation that have a bicameral state legislature, whether it's called the House of Delegates or whatever. They've got a House and a Senate, and then, of course, they've got the governor. And um, he just said that he's had so many issues. A big part of it is, though, what the federal government does to the state governor. All the mandates they give them, all the bills that they when, – when we say that the federal government, the Senate, and we talk about a Senate bill made it to the president or a House bill finally made it over there, and it's going to tell the states how to do blah, blah, blah. First of all, it generally gives them a blueprint on how to do it. They have to develop how to do it, and 99% of the time, they have to pay the bill for it. So mm-hmm. when they think it's – here's a good one. I love the idea that everybody on food stamps needs to be drug tested. Who's going to mm-hmm. pay for that? When you go to, mm. to get your your uh, welfare check, uh, obviously it's an EBT card now, but you know what I mean. You go to the agency yeah. in Tallahassee and Jacksonville. I'm thinking of our state. You know, every major city, and you go sign up. Who's going to pay for it? Who's going to pay for the employees? What test are you going to buy? Who's going to administer it? Blah blah. Do you see what I'm saying? All of the things yeah. that we love that the federal government does, it 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 taxes. And I don't mean literally, but it, it, it puts a burden on the state to fulfill that role. And it's, right. tough. it's tough if you're working in a state that, that's lean right now or it's uh-huh. got its own problems. Add that on top of it. It's almost like the federal government just keeps pounding and pounding away at them to do more right. and more and more. And, and a lot of right. the states are struggling just to keep their head above water. So I say that to say senators and House members – even though it's a tough, tough job, they leave the Senate in the House because they feel like they might be able to get a little mm-hmm. bit more done as a governor. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have to, to kind of uh, interrupt you here for a minute because I, I have the TV on and it's on mute. And they were just showing a clip of Joe Manchin on CNN today calling out his fellow Democrats for being yeah. disrespectful. Mm-hmm. So he's on he's TV. He's on, and he's on the he's in the enemy camp. <laughs> Saying, right. calling out his fellow Democrats. That's pretty significant, I think. I think that's that's yep. pretty ballsy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He's, anyway. He's positioning himself to take a step back from the mm-hmm. camp of no. Nancy Pelosi, mm-hmm. I, I want you to vote no. Chuck Schumer, I want you to vote no. He needs to start beforeing, to be for things, as we talked about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So – Okay, that kind of uh, segues into the retreat that members of Congress uh, were on their way to this morning when their train, uh, evidently, either the tra- I guess the train hit a truck and killed the driver. That must have been horrible for them. You know, I, I'll tell you a, a story of my own personal situation like that, being in China on a bus going to the Great Wall. The, we were, there were two buses. The senators were in a bus in front of us. We were in the bus directly behind them with some of the staff from the guest house, the Dayutau guest house that housed our delegation. It's the guest house that was built 
for when Nixon went over to to visit uh, the people of China. If you remember, mm-hmm. he was the one that brokered the first talks with China. Yeah, um, we were the next delegation that came, the next big one. So it was a lot of the staff from a Dietau guest house, and they were going to feed us lunch at the Great Wall and have us tour the place and all of that. All of us got in a horrific accident with another bus, and it mm. caused that bus to have all of those people get thrown around in glass and cut to pieces, and it just oh. was a horrible, horrible situation. And we, like the train that was carrying some members of Congress going to West Virginia, we had the, the Codell hotel doctor and nurse on our, on our bus. Mm-hmm. So we demand that we stop. Even though we didn't have to stop, we could have kept right. going right. and administered to those, and several of the Chinese people died. Um, this wow. was a very similar situation. They had uh, chartered an Amtrak train, and it was House members. <clears throat> and it hit, I don't know how it hit. The, obviously, the truck had to be on the track. The truck was traveling. Well, the train, yeah, the train was traveling at seventy miles an hour. Yeah, and the truck was on the tracks, and the train just sliced oh, I, right into it at where the driver's cab is, according to what I saw. And and people yeah, are wondering I saw a why, why would something that looked like yeah, what was the truck? Yeah, doing? yeah, exactly. Yeah. And now now, uh, you know, kind of tying this in with again with what I'm reading on social media, people are hearkening back to what the um, what Q. Is, has has dropped, and with regard to this whole memo situation, has warned that there could be a false flag event that they will try to divert and, and attention away from this, and maybe give them buy them some time to make this whole memo thing go away, or at least figure out what they want, what they what they can do to ameliorate the situation. That they would create a false flag situation. A lot of people believe that what happened in Las Vegas with the shooting at the Mandalay Bay uh, Hotel, that that was a false Mm -hmm. flag uh, event. They're thinking that, I mean, you know, this is how people are thinking these days. Even, I'm not talking about tinfoil hat people. I'm talking about serious people who are looking at this stuff now because they don't trust at all. And they're saying, could this have been a deliberate attempt to create a false flag event in which some members of Congress could have gotten killed? Because you know, they, they, the CIA has, and I don't mean to belabor this, but the CIA has ways to control um, the mechanisms of, of vehicles now because they're all electronic, they're computer. And and that's how mm-hmm. it's believed that Michael Hastings was killed. But I, I'm kind of going off on a, on a different direction. But and it, it just seems a, a, an error, though, because these were Republican House members, and nobody on the house, on the train, other than a few people, got banged around who were standing right. up and walking around. Right. Either it it didn't work, or the, yeah, I, or mm-hmm. that doesn't play out well because it right would be, right. I would think you would think it would be the Democrats that were would be trying to cast themselves as heroes and and saviors in a situation like this, and it wasn't it was the Republicans. Yeah, but they weren't. The, the I think I think you're kind of missing the point. The point is is that a, an incident was if if it was a false flag event, the incident was promulgated by members of the intelligence community to create a situation that would have been so horrific, especially if members of Congress had 
or their family members or their staff had been killed in this incident that then mm-hmm. it would have been that would have taken over the news cycle. That would have been the big news. I see. Yes. You know. Okay. I yeah. see. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, so. I guess you know you're right. People start thinking this way because yeah. obviously oh, yeah. they're 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 afraid of the memo. They're afraid of what it is, what's in it. Mm-hmm. And if you mm-hmm. have the FBI, I read a statement by uh, uh, somebody in the FBI saying that they didn't have enough time to vet the memo and. And uh, be careful what you're reading when you're reading it, and, and yeah. it, it really yeah. shouldn't be out, and this could be damaging to our country. Mm-hmm. I've also heard mm-hmm. and remember multiple times when these documents are, are being asked to be released. They make a huge, huge ordeal right before they're released. As, you know, it'll be a national security incident and this should never be released and then a month later we barely rem- even remember what was in it mm. Mm. the last well, suppo- one was the um, 911 commission report remember they wanted to redact 28 pages or I can't remember how many pages now but that's no, there in are, my head there were 28 pages Look. that were never released that that have been classified that 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 are not being released and people believe that it has to do with Sa- the Saudi Arabians that were in this country, that George Correct. Bush. But, yeah, yeah, and we still yeah, don't know yeah, what's in those twenty-eight pages. Right, but they before the thing was released, they were making a big deal about even releasing what they did release. That they, they just caused just awful chaos and blah blah blah, and basically. Mm-hmm. That they ended up agreeing to all of that, but those twenty-eight pages, and we barely remember what the rest of the report even says. Mm-hmm. Well, and now in hindsight, we realize that a lot of that report was just bunk, because a lot of people mm-hmm. were being protected, just like the just like the Warren Commission report on the JFK assassination, bunk. Right, but the world didn't. Chicken Little, the sky did not fall. After that thing was released, I guess that's the mm-hmm. point I'm trying to make. And mm-hmm. they're making the mm-hmm. same point with this, that, oh, my yeah. gosh, this is just yeah. going to be the end of our national security as we know it if this thing yeah. comes out. Yeah. And evidently, according to Bloomberg, they're reporting that it's FBI Director Christopher Ray, who's now saying he's told the White House he opposes the, the release of this. Where he evidently had earlier gone, when he had read the uh, memo, uh, he was okay with letting it go. But now he's now he's he's had a change of heart, and and uh, Rod Rosenstein, the deputy attorney general, also is saying, please don't release it. You know, this is we have grave concerns over the accuracy of it. Mm-hmm. I think Trump knows what's in it, and I think that John Kelly knows what's in it. I think that the the appropriate people know what's in it, and they're going to release it regardless. And why Christopher Ray of the FBI is making this last-minute protestation is very suspect. A lot of people are questioning that. It's like, whose side is he on here? Is he going after the truth? Right. Right, exactly. It is, uh, the timing especially is suspect, because if I remember correctly, after the House voted, they sent all of the documents to the FBI, and they've had, they've had them, and he didn't come across as a big red flag two days ago, three days ago, four days ago, five mm-hmm. days ago. Right. Why now? Right, right, right. Did well, he just well, get to Christopher- a page that was inflammatory? 
Well, I mean, Christopher I'm, I'm being a little funny. Ray, it's only four pages. He went to the um, he went to the skiff, um, at the, I think at the White House on Sunday afternoon. That's that's when Ray first saw the uh, the memo on Sunday. He went, I think he went with Rod Rosenstein. The two of them went together, and um, he saw it on Sunday. And for some reason now. He on on Tuesday, because today's Wednesday, but on Tuesday he comes out and says, "Well, we don't think this is a good idea." First of all, he hmm. said he wanted to have his own legal people look at it, which was fine. Everybody was, you know, yeah, of course, you of course you'd want to. And now he's saying he has some problems with it. So I don't know. I mean, I just the whole thing stinks. <laughs> it just stinks, you know. I mean, it is so suspect, and it is casting aspersions on the FBI and the DOJ. I don't know. I just, I don't. It's going to be interesting to see where. And if if it is not released, despite what the president said last night to one of the members of the house as he was walking out uh, out of the house chamber, somebody said, "Mr. President, will you release? Please release the um, the memo." And he, and will you release the memo? And he he said, "A hundred percent, hundred percent." So mm-hmm. I mean, people are taking that that yeah, we're going to release it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's I think I think it's when the it's released it's going to be hell to pay because there are going to be a lot of members of Congress who are going to be implicated in this too. This mm-hmm. is this is just as many many people have been saying this is just the very tip of the iceberg. This is going to unwind the Awan spy ring in Congress, the Uranium One deal. I mean, this is so far reaching. It's this it's all connected. I, you know, Remember, I, I believe that because the members of Congress that are saying it are not the typical ones that are inflammatory and right, and right. the ones that want to get on Fox News right away. And I mean, they're just not. They're usually the low key. I call them the worker bees behind the scenes. Don't want mm-hmm. the FaceTime in the media as much. And there's nothing wrong with the FaceTime either. I'm not saying that, but there's some personalities right. that are better at it than others. Right, These are the right. worker bees that really are behind the scenes sort of writing the legislation and combing yeah. over it. And they're the ones saying, wow, this is yep. Yep. explosive. Yeah, yeah. And that the American people deserve to know about this. And, mm-hmm. and you know, and again, hearkening back to the crumbs or the clues that Q has dropped, and Q, of course, being believed to be uh, somebody in military intelligence who is close to the president and knows how to play this game, if you will, uh, which is typical military uh, military code. Uh, he he essentially is saying that when it all comes out, it won't all come out because. 60 we will only know 40% of of what is really going on because otherwise it would it would destroy our trust in government it would be devastating for yeah, he, as much. he put it for humanity's sake for humanity mm-hmm. you will only know 40% and i think that a lot of people who've been doing the digging about this whole pizza gate thing and the child molestation and the and the satanic rituals and the podesta brothers involvement in it hillary's involvement huma's involvement i think that that, that is that is so dark it is so awful to contemplate it is it is the it is the pit of evil that these people have been involved with that and 
who was it that was saying? Uh, I think it was oh, it was Dr. Corsi when he was he was on a YouTube. Uh, they, they were deciphering um, uh, the last batch that Q had uh, posted, and Corsi, in the process of deciphering it, said what Q is saying here is that we. If it, he said there are things that have been going on by people in our government that are so disturbing, you don't want to know. It, it, mm-hmm. Trust me when I say you don't want to know. It, he said, I know I can handle it, he said, because I've been involved in investigations and I know what people are capable of. I know that these things happen. He said, but the average American you won't be able to sleep. You, you'll you have bad dreams. Mm-hmm. You, this will just knock your pins right out from underneath you. And I think I know what he's talking about because I've been exploring this through George Webb for, for months and months and months. This is how he started his investigation, talking mm-hmm. about what the Clintons and, and the cabal did in Haiti. Horrible things. Mm-hmm. Horrible. In, mm-hmm. And in Kosovo and in Syria and Libya. I mean... These people are monsters. They're monsters. They 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 might look good. They might they might come across as you know looking like you and me. Yeah. <laughs> my my Siri my Siri listens to me. This is kind of weird. It's kind of scary. <laughs> you know Rush Limbaugh's did, he his did that to him the other day too. He, he was talking and his and his Siri went off and he said it does that every now and then and I thought oh my god mine does that all the time when I'm doing my show it thinks I'm asking it a question. <laughs> Are you pushing the center button? No, no, the no. Button, it's sitting. Button. No, it's the phone. I'm not even touching it. It's sitting beside me. It's plugged in. I'm charging it. Interesting. But it does. It does that. It just. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of. It's kind of weird. Anyway. Um, okay. So we talk. I've got a checklist here. We talked about Trey. We talked about the State of the Union address. Oh, I wanted to mention also. You mentioned um, Sam Brownback, uh, Mayor, uh, Governor of Kansas. Governor? Uh, he's. He's mm-hmm. just been appointed um, by Trump to be the United States ambassador at large for international religious freedom. Did you have that discussion with him when you saw him? Did he know I that this not. was coming? Ah, no, no, no. Okay. He knew that. He knew that. We we talked about some of the stuff he was tackling in Kansas, and then we talked about the old days uh, and stuff like that. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So he didn't indicate at that time that he was up. Well, he probably wouldn't if he if he, if it hadn't happened yet. He'd probably keep to his own counsel no, no, at that point. No, no, he'd already point. gone through almost the whole confirmation process. He was about to be confirmed. It was almost oh, a fait accompli. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it okay. was almost a fait He just wanted to tell me what it was like to be a governor, and it was miserable. I mean, that's sort of a – I shouldn't say miserable, mm-hmm. but he was talking about it was a tough job. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I want to talk with you uh, some about polling. There are a lot of polls coming out, uh, especially after the, the State of the Union – how uh, Trump did, you know, for, what is it, 43% of the Democrats thought he did a great job. And, in fact, Rush opened his show today talking about it, saying the only number you need to know is 43%. And that is mm-hmm. making the Democrats very, very nervous. Crazy. Uh, he did crazy. Yeah. <laughs> crazy, yeah, I guess crazy. Um, but how much, how much credence do you put in the polling? That, that we see coming out here. Do, do you really it, it, go well, along with it? It depends. It depends. Yes, I do. It depends on what poll. Um, I, I think you and I talked offline a little bit about some of the uh, Lou Harris. Let's just start there. Lou Harris, who used mm-hmm. to be a pollster, one of it was sort of the beginning of the pollster world. He did polls for John F. Kennedy. 
sort of back in the day when people weren't even familiar with polls that much. He, he's probably the inventor of polls in some Wikipedia-type page. He's not. But you know what I mean? It, people mm-hmm. think of him. He passed away, by the way. But was sort of the beginning pollster, and they created the Harris Poll. He created the Harris Poll, which has always had some validity to it. Well, I can tell you now that Mark Penn owns the Harvard-Harris polling system. Uh, Mark Penn's cut his teeth on doing polling for Clinton, and I think most of the listeners will remember Clinton did a lot of his governing via polls. Uh, it was very frustrating to, to members of Congress because if, if, it, if what you were asking didn't fit in his poll, it's almost like he didn't want to listen to you. So you'd come back from a White House meeting and say, damn, I should have twisted it in one of his damn polls that he, he listens to all the time. They were just, I guess, surprised that a president put that much credence in polls. So mm-hmm. I say that to say that Mark Penn had some street cred even back then. He's a very good pollster and that means the data that he uses the means that he uses is very good uh he he nails it pretty much when it comes to the median american feeling he can get it and i have been told that the chuck schumer policy of saying no to donald trump and trying to make him into the crazy orange hair guy, and he mm-hmm. can't be trusted, and and you know it's like negotiating with Jello. He said that last week, and sort of the same <laughs> mo that Nancy Pelosi has been using. If the Democratic Party started losing some of that middle of the road base, or if Trump started eating into the independents, they were going to be told they have to change gears. I think the poll from last night is going to make them change gears. Mm. So that's a long way of saying that that poll is going to end up being very important. And I think the combination of that poll and Joe Manchin and his new stardom, his new claim mm-hmm. to fame with this coalition, this common sense coalition. And as you said, as you talked in the middle of the show, he's on TV saying, ah, oh, my fellow Democrats have got it wrong. They're not mm-hmm. doing this right. I need mm-hmm. to say adios to this kind of behavior. I'm going to be different. He's he's making the move that Chuck Schumer needs to move, mm-hmm. needs to make. And I'm guessing he's going to Schumer's going to eventually make it. But it, uh, the the likes of Joe Manchin and some of these other Democrats. Remember, there's 25 Senate Democrats up for reelection. Yeah, Ten of them yeah. are in red, 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 red states. Mm. They got seven months to convince people they're not just the people that say no in a red state, and they want to they want to be reelected to come back to Washington and to act to be blue to do nothing. They've yeah. got to convince their 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 electorate to do otherwise to think yes. otherwise of them. So mm-hmm. they're going to have to push pivot. Mm-hmm. I think this poll is going to make Chuck Schumer pivot. And what does that mean? That means that I think you'll see an infrastructure bill this year, and I think you'll see an immigration bill this year, which in any other uh, mid-year election cycle, I would have said you'd see nothing because that is (laughs) typical. The first year you see the biggest bill. The second year you see nothing because they're gearing up for that midterm election. Every Mm -hmm. president going back to 1934, who has run 
uh, two terms. The midterm election of his first term takes a bath. His party <clears throat> takes a bath. Andrea, they, they lose an average of 26 seats in the House of Representatives. Every mm. single president except for two. Except and that two. would have George been... George W. is one of them. Uh, Roosevelt and George oh, yeah. W. Bush. Yeah, yeah. And huh. the way I kind of read that, neither one of them lost. Their party did not lose in the midterm election. They gained. Mm-hmm. And I think Roosevelt's was the result of the New Deal. We were mm-hmm. just getting out of a depression, or we were trying mm-hmm. to come out of a depression. And mm-hmm. he promised and did an awful lot in his first year. Amazingly mm-hmm. a lot. Most, an awful lot of the New Deal. Now, you can agree with the programs or not. I'm just telling you factually. Most of the New Deal was introduced and parachuted on the American people within the first year of his presidency. You can say it didn't yep. really work. It was the beginning of all these social programs, and I would agree with all of that. But back in the day, if you're drowning in the Depression and he's right. throwing policies and, and new programs right. at you and it's getting right. you, your head above water temporarily, yeah. you're yeah. thinking that's you're a good gonna, thing. Yeah. Well, that's you're when thinking the that's project, a good thing. Right? The, wor- the Public yes. Works Project was uh, was begun. Oh, and, and, yep. and that builds a lot of our infrastructure. So I mean, Correct. I can see the I can see the similarities between what FDR did and what Trump is trying to do. The only difference being is that FDR went outside of the Constitution um, and threatened the Supreme Court when they balked at it, saying, "Okay, you can balk at it if you want, but I have the power to add more Supreme Court justices, right. and I will. I'll pack right. the court." Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. But that's what he did to the uh, to the American people, bringing them what they were hoping was a life preserver out of the depression. So his midterm elections, he actually gained seats. George mm-hmm. W.'s midterm elections, he gained seats. But what happened in the first term, the first year of George W. Bush's presidency? And we Nine were attacked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he made us believe for the next year that he was going to keep us safe. Yeah. So those two are different, but yeah. I think they do mirror what Donald Trump is doing. He's mm-hmm. bringing, he's making America great again. He's reversing the the Obama administration socialist direction that that many of America American people thought we were going. Blood, yes, we were going there. We were almost yep. there. He's yes. reversing that. He's putting the brakes mm-hmm. on. We're smelling the brake pads just burning on the. <laughs> Asphalt, we're stopping so drastically and turning mm-hmm. around. So mm-hmm. I believe that it won't be the bloodbath that is typical. But Chuck Schumer still believes that he can make all of these inroads. That's why they're doing what they are doing. Yeah, but yeah, I think, yeah. I think the poll from last night, I think Joe Manchin telling people, and I think Joe Manchin's coalition is gonna it's gonna pull the rug right out from under Chuck Schumer whether he likes it or not. He's gonna uh-huh. have to reverse course. Wow. He's gonna have to change his course. Yeah. Well, and the polling is showing also that um, uh, all of uh, Trump's issues are in largely supported by the American people. The the issue of immigration, huge, huge support. Mm-hmm. The in, mm-hmm. the issue on infrastructure, the economy. I mean, so I mean, he's got the wind at his back, is how I'm right. seeing it. 
Exactly. Now, what about exactly. what about um, what about the House? What about Nancy Pelosi? I mean, I know you talk to the Senate because that's what you're most familiar with. But um, give us a sense of what you think is going. What, what's Nancy going to do? Is she going to have to pivot, or is she out? She's out almost. And I, I mean, when I say that, I'm. They don't have to pivot. They can stay voting no if they if they need to because the you know the house is a different creature. the The house is run by the speaker. The speaker calls the votes. The, the speaker speaker <clears throat> schedules the bills, and it's a simple majority vote, and they have the majority. So they don't need a single Democrat. They don't need a single Democrat to get things through the house. And mm-hmm. Democrats in the House can say, well, I would have voted for it. I knew it was going to make it through anyway because there was enough Republicans, so it would have made it over to the Senate. But I would have voted for it if this paragraph was slightly different or that paragraph was slightly different. But see, they're not responsible for killing it. The difference is then that bill gets to the Senate, and Chuck Schumer and his gang of Democrats are responsible for killing the bill. They've killed mm-hmm. all of these bills. Yeah, I don't believe yeah. they're going to be able to continue to kill them. The only reason they didn't kill the tax bill, and your listeners are smart, they know this, is because um, Senator McConnell used the reconciliation process, which which only needed a majority vote to pass. Mm-hmm. But the immigration bill, it's going to need some Democrat support. Mm-hmm. Because right now the Senate majority of Republicans is really at the number 5 McCain is not coming back, or I shouldn't say I don't. I don't know that for a fact, but he's certainly not back. So it's not likely. They yeah. are at, yeah, they are at fifty. They need ten Democrats to get them to that sixty threshold to get closure to invoke, so they can break a filibuster. Yeah. Joe Manchin has to bring nine colleagues with him and say, yep. "Okay, Mitch, I'm here to. I'm here to. I'm here yeah. to negotiate. This is what we want. You want nine of us? You want ten of us? This is what we want." You know, watching watching Mitch McConnell's face last night at the State of the Union, I had the instant sense that McConnell was watching, listening, watching and listening to what Trump was saying, and thinking to himself, "Oh my God, have I got a battle ahead of me? He is just loading me. I am. Oh my God, I'm gonna. I, yep. I got my work cut out yep. for me. Yeah. So I, That's I was exactly reading what he that was pretty thinking. right. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's exactly what he was thinking. Uh, yeah, you're putting way too much on my plate because it's all going to mm-hmm. end up on Mitch McConnell's plate because yeah. the, the House of Representatives could call up every one of these bills one day a week and and in 10 weeks have all of them done. But they go to the Senate and we know what happens. Chuck Schumer yeah. says, nope, you're not getting 10 yeah. of my guys. Nope, yeah. we're not going to vote to proceed. Nope, you're not going to ever get it out of the starting gate until and unless you have this common sense coalition headed by Joe Manchin says to Schumer, sorry, Chuck, we're going over to talk to Mitch. I got 10 of my guys and mm-hmm. we need some stuff. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be typically those 10 Senate Democrats from those 10 red states that want to come back after November. They want to keep uh, their job. They want to be yeah. reelected. The magic number and, is 10. There are 10 yeah. Senate Democrats from Reds that are sweating boobies, uh, uh, BBs. There's 25 up, but there are 10 that are especially nervous. Uh-huh. The other uh-huh. 15 are not exactly calm, but right. those 10, nervous, yeah. nervous, nervous. Yeah. And, and and do you think that that's going to prompt them to uh, vote for the budget? I mean, what we've got the budget coming up now. What? This CR February expires 8th. on 
February. That's yes. what I thought. So what do you anticipate is going to happen with that? Oh, God. They'll get another they'll they'll they might need another week extension, but they'll have an, they'll get it all the way through the end of the year. And it'll have some and they'll it, the Democrat. I mean, the Republicans basically will be OK with the spending levels. There won't be wall money because he will – the president will say, I'm putting wall money in DACA. I'm trading DACA for wall money. So let's just take that out. They'll trim away a little bit at Planned Parenthood. Won't be enough for the real fiscal, fiscal, fiscal Republicans, but they'll get it through. And the next big push will be the debt limit. <coughs> the debt limit expires in March. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to do the appropriations process to fund the federal government in February. In March, you'll have to do uh, the debt limit, and by April, you'll be dealing with the immigration bill, and before June, you'll have the infrastructure bill done. And then I think then I think you don't do anything until the election. You pretty much only have to do what you have to do. So, so the budget then is going to be another continuing resolution that will take us out to the end of the year? End of the fiscal year, which would be the end of September. Yes. Okay, so it's another continuing resolution. So when do we actually get down into the nitty-gritty of doing a real budget instead of just rolling the can, kicking the can down the road? Well, I can tell you that that, uh, Speaker Ryan and the House of Representatives did all 12 of the appropriations bills this last go-around, and Mm -hmm. Schumer stopped them all. Mm -hmm. Schumer stopped every single one. Said he wasn't going to vote for him. So if this if this new wave of Democrats does exist mm-hmm. in the way that that I'm thinking it might for those two bills, you might start getting them for appropriations bills, especially the ones like Homeland Security. If we really mm-hmm. think we're under some kind of attack or uh, imminent attack, which apparently Homeland Security thinks that every day, and I'm sure it's true on a certain yeah. level. You might yeah. get somebody like Manchin to bring this coalition over and say, Chuck, I've got to vote for this bill. I don't, I don't want she, him to keep operating under continuing resolutions. And if you notice, agency heads, these are cabinet secretaries, are starting to echo that. They're starting to say, uh-huh. I can't keep operating on this shoestring budget. I have yeah. it, I don't have it. I've got my money, I don't have my money. I've got my money yeah. for 30 I can't contract with something. Nobody's going to contract with an federal government if they don't even know if they're going to have the money after 30 days it just doesn't work that way so they're so going to be putting becoming the, very cumbersome uh-huh uh-huh and and do the agency heads typically put pressure on the leadership in congress oh absolutely yes the cabinet uh-huh. secretaries oh they call all the time and say i can't i can't run my my department of defense yeah if you're going to tell me i'm going to get it a, a chunk of money to run it for yeah. 13 days, yeah. 25 days, two weeks here, three months there. Give me the whole year. You know, they, they have been – an awful lot of these agencies, the bigger ones that deal with our security, for example, have been talking and trying to talk the leadership into going into a five-year budget cycle, two-year budget cycles, anything but mm-hmm. the stuff year after year. Oh, I know, because I know. year after it's year, ridiculous. the Congress is, is almost month to month anymore. Yeah. They barely do anything yeah. the full year. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't plan ahead. You can't put you can't implement policy by doing it piecemeal. You've got to have a long range plan like uh, Trump is talking about a trust fund for infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And likely the trust fund would be funded by gas taxes and things that would not 
need congressional appropriations approval. Okay. But, okay. But to administer them, it would. Yeah. If you think of it as yeah. having to fleet manage it, because right. those bodies are salaried government employees, you can't have government shutdown. Yeah. Because you can't administer the program. Yeah. The money may um, not literally flow out of the federal government. It may flow mm-hmm. out of all of our state gasoline taxes, but somebody's mm-hmm. got to actually administer it. So, right. in essence, its effect it would be affected too. Yeah, yeah. Now, how long would it take to build up a trust fund uh, such that you could start spending that money, allocating that money, or does the federal government put appropriate money for the trust fund and then get paid back as the trust fund fills up with these gas tax revenues? I have heard both are, is is being considered, and the federal government is going to expect some of the paybacks to come from states and expect the states to lease out their roads, sell their mm-hmm. roads, sell mm-hmm. their toll situations to companies mm-hmm. and whatnot to pay mm-hmm. them back in chunks. So mm-hmm. sort of all of those, all of those yeah. models, which are, are, yeah. are, I mean, he's really thinking outside the box. Mm-hmm. That's what he's good at. That's yeah. what this president, oh, yeah. take a business situation and he thinks outside the box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. It's exciting. It really is. It, I mean, we're, we're entering into a new era, and but first he's got to fight off all the denizens in the swamp. He's got to he he's got to kill kill the swamp is what he's got to do mm-hmm. in order to be able to mm-hmm. move forward. Because this is, the, I mean, it's amazing what he's been able to accomplish despite the fact that he's knee deep in the muck with them. And, he, and when he comes out and says Washington D.C., oh, it's a nasty place. It's a nasty evil place. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's he means it. He means it. Yes. He's seeing it. Yes. All right. Speaking of that, let's go back. I want to go back to talking about um, the conference retreat. Give us a thumbnail sketch of what's going to happen at this retreat um, that the members of Congress are attending uh, once they get off the train and get on the buses. Multiple, 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 yeah, breakout sessions. Um, They'll they'll lunch together. They'll dinner together. They'll breakfast together. They'll have keynotes at each one of those. Uh, meal events. The president's going to speak at one. The vice president's going to speak at one. They'll have pollsters maybe speak in a morning one. They might have mm-hmm. pollsters. And you can do breakfast. I've, I've seen them where they have breakfast um, and they break it up into regions to a certain extent, like the South will eat together and the Midwest will eat together, only because yeah. they share issues that other issues that other states right. wouldn't share. That's the only reason they do it. And they'll have yeah. pollsters. Here's a good one. Um, they, they could easily have a pollster come and talk in the breakfast um, meetings on infrastructure because the, the, the South needs more bridges than the North need, needs more bridges, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. The luncheons and the dinners, as, as I said, are usually reserved for the big gun keynote type speeches. Otherwise, mm-hmm. in between, they are working. They are working trying to figure out what agenda items are most important for our country right now, what is mm-hmm. doable? I mean, they can have this this laundry list of what they want. Then the leadership then sort of takes the list and says what is doable of that list, and mm-hmm. then what is doable, then they prioritize that those that are doable, what order you want to try to do them in. You want to do this one first, that one second, this one, 
And mm-hmm. uh, you, what's our timetable? Are we talking about this one gets done before Easter, that one gets done before 4th of July? They t- typically think major holidays. Mm-hmm. Then that's just how okay. they schedule things. Okay. Because the major holidays are usually uh, recess times for them, and they create natural pinch points, natural precious, pressure yeah. points, that, that yeah. deadlines, basically. Yeah. So those are the inflection points on their calendar, basically. Basically. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. so President Trump and Vice President Pence are both going to be speaking uh, at this uh, retreat, at this conference. And I'm sure that it's going to be, you know, getting down to brass tacks, but also pep talk and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, how much how, do you sense that there has been a change of heart among uh, Paul Ryan um, and the leadership in the House on the GOP side toward Trump? Do you think that they're warming up to him and maybe feeling a little bit more like confident because they've got somebody now that they know is going to take it to the mat? Or do you think that Uh, they're still... They're still... I think they're always going to be jittery about the man. And and it's because of of the way he operates. Um, And I know we've said that... I've said this on the show multiple times... Most of the members of Congress that are the career guys and gals, they've been taught since they were very young, stay away from these live live wires, loose cannon-type personalities. And that's what he is. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is what he is. Like it mm-hmm. or not, it's not necessarily a bad thing. But in the political world, it can be because you, were, it, it's, it's, you just yeah. can't depend on it yeah. to be the steady, consistent voice. Well, I mean, we know that because sometimes we think, yeah. "Oh God, what's he going to tweet? What's he?" But, but yet, so but, they're never going to be super comfortable with him. Yeah, will they but, get on the stage with him? Yeah, but they're yeah. never going it, to. It's really? just no. It, I just even, can't see that. Yeah, even even with um, with repeated successes, uh, victories. Um, you know, I, it, here's what Rush Limbaugh said the other day, and and I, I think I agree with this. He said. Trump is showing the Republicans how to fight. They they don't know how to fight. They've been they've been supine for so long that he's showing them now this is how you do it. And I wonder if some of them aren't picking up on it and going, "Damn straight." <laughs> I don't know. And they probably are, but I their their campaign staff is still saying, "Oh god, he makes me so nervous." And that really? that nervousness that's inbred in them is still the overriding factor right now. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. can ride the, his wave without being his best friend, and they'll do that. They'll they'll yeah. they'll, they'll split the fence with it. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So it'll end up being we will we the American people will end up. Fine. We will we will benefit from it, and the, it mm-hmm. doesn't. It's never really going to impact us. Us that they never become bosom buddies and mm-hmm. and really good yeah. friends. Yeah. All right. There are, let's see, thirty four members of Congress who have said they are no. They're not going to run for reelection. Retiring, mm-hmm. resigning, dropping out, whatever. Nine nine GOP committee chairs. This is this is. I think this is a watershed event uh, that so many, and, and uh, we're not done hearing how many of them are leaving. No, now, you're I've correct. Heard, I've heard, I've, I've heard that many of these people are leaving because they've been 
made an offer they can't refuse. That the NSA, the surveillance people, the, 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 the good guys, let's just say, who know what the skeletons are in the closets and know what these, some of these guys have been up to, have said to them, mm-hmm. here's the deal. You go quietly, you finish out your term, and you go quietly. You leave. And, and, or, or we are going to uh, make your life miserable. And, and that's why you're seeing so many of them leave. I mean, when every time somebody announces that they're not going to run, it's like, oh, wonder what he's got in his closet. I mean, mm-hmm. this, is the, mm-hmm. this is the reaction that people are having now. So, and I know that that's probably not true of all of them. Some of them are probably just thinking, oh, I just don't want, I'm not up for the battle. I'm tired of it. I'm not right. up for the battle. Um, so, given the fact that there are 34 members that are not going to be returning, and most of them, from what I understand, most of them are GOP, how is this going to impact the the elections? I mean, are there are there candidates out there that are getting that are seeing this and going, hey, you know what? I think I'm going to throw my hat in the ring. I'm ready for a fight, fresh blood. What do you think? Um, I haven't seen much of that yet. And honestly, it is still a little early for that. Is it? Um, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say by Easter we should see stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We should start seeing the primaries and the filings and the this and the that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you'll see it in a much bigger way. Um, different candidates, not your typical candidates, candidates that uh, we – or not a household name, for example. If okay. Trump really mm-hmm. can get some of these these two bills that we just talked about, the immigration bill and the um, infrastructure bill, if he's successful right. with that, mm-hmm. I think you're going to see people going, I want to go there because I want to have fun with this now. Yeah, I want to be part of a winning team. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also heard, uh, read that uh, Lou Barletta of Pennsylvania is uh, going to run for Senate. He's, uh, I, he's I knew our, he was. Yeah, I knew yeah. he was Hazleton. playing around with it. I didn't know he had announced. Had he? Has mm-hmm. he announced? That yeah. Thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, well, I haven't seen a formal announcement, but I did read something that that it was a, it was stated as a matter of fact in a news report, uh, and I think okay. I just read it he's yesterday taken or on today. Senator Casey. Yeah. Mm, I, guess. On Senator I guess. Casey. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then you've got uh, uh, Ron DeSantis of Florida. Uh, who's not going back into Congress? He's going, he's already formally announced he's going to run for governor of Florida, so he's leaving mm-hmm. his post, which kind of saddens me in a way because he's he's a he's a fighter. He's in there fighting with Matt Gates and Jim Jordan and you know uh, uh, Louis Gohmert, you know the good guys. You know he's he's one of the good right. guys, but Florida Florida needs a good guy too in Tallahassee. So it's, maybe it's maybe yeah. it's too, you know it's not so bad. So. Well, and Adam Putnam's running, so he could. Yeah. Adam's a good guy. Adam was a, Sec- a house member, and he's right? been secretary of agriculture for the last yeah. handful of years. So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll have we'll have a good choice. We'll have a couple yeah. of good choices in Florida for. Yeah, our, um, yeah that'd be nice. <laughs> that would yep. be nice yep. instead of picking the lesser of two evils. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. It's kind of yeah. nice when you when you really have to do a little bit of homework, and and either either pick is okay with you, kind of thing. Yep. Yep. 
Well, I'll tell you, Elizabeth, I am very excited about seeing how all of this unfolds. I think 2018 is already it's already shaped up to be an amazing year. And I think as we watch how all of this unfolds and the State of the Union last night was just a kind of a precursor to what we're going to be seeing in the upcoming months. And I, I am so glad that you're coming on the show every week to talk about it with us. I really appreciate it. It gives us such well, good insight. Well, I love doing it. I love doing it, and it, it, I think you're exactly right. We are gonna, we are not gonna ever have to worry about what are we gonna talk about. I think we're I always know. gonna have oh, yeah. plenty to talk about. Your yeah. your listenership is amazing. They're smart people. They, mm-hmm. I, at least in my mind, are always always trying to sort of challenge me to. So let them know the latest and the greatest, and you do the same thing. So it's going to be fun. We're going to have tons <laughs> of fun and tons to talk about. I do know that. And lots of victories, God willing. I hope so. God yes. willing. Yeah. I sure hope so. All right. Well, listen, I'm going to let you run. Thank you so much for your time tonight. I really appreciate it. And um, we will talk with you again next Wednesday night, right? All right. Yes. I look forward to it. All right, everybody. Have, All a, good, right. have a good rest of your week. All right. You do the same thing, Elizabeth. Thank you again. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye now. All right. There she goes. Elizabeth Christ, retired U.S. Senate Secretary for the Majority and the owner of Congress College and and gradegov.com. Check it out, gradegov.com. Go over there, and this would be a good time. If you're not used to using it, this would be a good time to register. It's free. And uh, you can start uh, writing your little notes to all of your uh, members of Congress that are either pissing you off or that you want to give them an attaboy and say, hey, thank you. Thank you very much for doing what you're doing. All right. So I think that's it for us for tonight. I want to say thank you to everybody who came to listen. I always appreciate you. You know I do. And I'm not asking you for any contributions. I'm not a Patreon member, so it's free. It's free. It's always free. So anyway, thank you so much, everybody, and we'll see you again tomorrow night. I'll be back for one more night this week, and then uh, then it'll be the long weekend again, won't it? And thank you for your birthday wishes, too. Really appreciate it. Much, much appreciate it. All right, we're going to be stepping out, stepping out with a little bit of Joe Jackson, so we'll see you tomorrow night, everybody. God bless you all. God bless America, and don't forget to say your prayers, all right? All right, good night, everyone. Well, are we going to hear Joe or what? We're not hearing Joe for some reason. Things have slowed down here on Blog Talk Radio. Oh, dear. All right, everyone. I'm going to end it. We'll see you we'll see you tomorrow night. Good night, everybody. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.